I'm in the mood for dancing, romancing, celebrating three points tonight. Welcome back to the MB7 podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We are here to discuss Jules' 2-1 victory over MK Dons at Bruce Hill this afternoon. The first game in the post-Neil Harris era, obviously. Neil being relieved of his duties on uh, Thursday morning. Uh, much discussion about that you would have heard on our episode this past Thursday with uh, James, Matt, Lewis, Tom, Luke, um, probably some others as well. Lots of uh, discussion whether you were Harris in, Harris out, wise, whereabouts, etc, etc. But the fact is, Neil Harris is no longer uh, Gillingham manager and a new dawn is slowly creeping up upon us, uh, hopefully by this time next week. We'll know who is head of that new, new dawn. But as it was today, Keith Midden took charge of the Jills and saw a 2-1 victory over MK Dons. Um, a very, very welcome three points, four games without a victory uh, for Jules. Obviously, a disappointing result on the road at Gresty Road um, to crew on Tuesday night. The last game for Neil Harris before his departure. And we came into this game with mixed emotions for myself personally. Um, I, I wasn't on the space on Thursday, but my views on the, on the second have been made uh, quite well known on my own Twitter account, etc., etc. But... The fact is, we are where we are, and Keith Midden was in charge today, and as I said, oversaw a 2-1 victory for Jill. So, we're going to bring in Matt, obviously regular on the show, and also Alex Prudy from the 1893 show. Go and check out their content as well to dissect, discuss, etc. Jill's victory today, which sees them back into the top three of Skybet League 2, courtesy of goals from Macaulay Bond and Scott Malone. Uh, firstly, Alex, welcome back. It's been a while since you've been on the show. Caught up with you uh, before the game today about uh, the week that has just passed. And um, yeah, you came into the game, went for three points. I did as well, of course. Um, we got the three points. What's your um, overall takeaway uh, from what you saw this afternoon before we get into the uh, the rundown of the game itself? Yeah, well, I mean, firstly, thanks for having me back on. It has been a while. Um, overall, I think, kind of looked as though the shackles were taken off going forward. We looked fluid, a lot better. If we take out the first 20 minutes and the last 10, I think it's probably one of our best performances of the season, which going into the game, as as we said before, I was a bit sceptical, but it, it did kind of put me at ease. Although those last 10 minutes kind of put that, that fear back in my belly, if I'm being honest. Yeah, they certainly did, and we'll come on to that uh, decision-making a little later on. Um, loads of people listening already tonight, thank you very much, including uh, Shannon, obviously Gillingham's queen, as we all know, from Amber Acoustics' hit record. Uh, Matt, welcome to the show again, obviously. You're on every single week, got the breakfast show coming up tomorrow. Um, as you can tell, we've all got a bit of a spring in our step after three points, naturally, despite the tough week it's been uh, off the pitch. All we care about uh, on a Saturday is three points, and that's what we got. What was your takeaway from this afternoon? Well, yeah, like, I'm sure like pretty much everyone obviously going into the game, I, I wasn't knowing what to expect, what the lineup was going to be, who was going to be starting, who was going to be on the bench, you know, was there going to be wholesale changes or not? Um, obviously, it was a, quite a great lineup to, to go uh, to, to start the game. Actually, I think it was quite a positive lineup uh, from Keith. And yeah, we really had a go at them today. And that is, sort of, yeah, say first 15, 20 minutes, we were a bit slow. But once we got into the game, yeah, we really had a go at them. And there was a lot of positives to take from today. There certainly was. Up against uh, an MK Don side that uh, came bearing gifts today, uh, two of them in particular, Santa Claus FC. Um, but it was a, a horrid journey back, I'm sure, for 
their uh, one bus for the fans that they brought down the motorway, um, which is pretty common if you know NK Dons. Um, but yeah, let's get into uh, the team that Keith Millen picked. Obviously, everyone going into the game wasn't too sure what was going to be the 11 that came out. There was lots of questions whether the formation might change, personnel might change, etc., etc. Even though it is only a temporary basis, he still did have to pick a team that he felt was comfortable to, to win the game today. And uh, that team was as follows. Jake Turner remained in goal. Back four of Chad Alexander, Shad Ogie, um, Connor Masterson and Scott Malone. Then no Sean Williams, which was the first surprise of the day. Um, I think most expected Sean to come back in. Obviously, we know due to his age that playing Saturday, Tuesday isn't really, you know, what we expect from Sean Williams these days. And Neil alluded to it in his final uh, post-match interview on Tuesday night. But it was a flat 4-4-2, which we haven't seen in a very long time. Connor Mahoney from the right, Jaden Clark from the left. Dom Jeffries and Ethan Coleman in the middle with Ashley Nelson and Tom Nichols both returning to the lineup. Um, lots of shocks in there. Um, I thought McCauley Bond would have still gotten the head on, despite obviously not having the best uh, best night on Tuesday with some missed chances, etc. But I thought he would have continued to lead the line. A lot of people have been clamouring for 4-4-2 over recent weeks, and that's what they got. Um, yeah, um, Alex, firstly, what's your, what was your opinion on the starting eleven, and also the disinclusions, we can say, of uh, Johnny Williams has been... Uh, apparently he has a knock, according to Ben Watts of BBC Radio Kemp, but no explanation yet on the whereabouts of Sean Williams and George Lapsley. Um, but yeah, regardless of that, what was your thoughts on the starting eleven that came out? I mean, obviously, apart from the shocks you've already mentioned, I thought it was a pretty, I'm going to say safe bet from the players that he had available, if we are believing that Johnny Williams has a knock and if we're going to assume that Sean Williams does, I'm going to hope it's that and it's nothing else in there. Um, I think it was a pretty safe bet. I've been asking for Nichols and Nadison for weeks now to come back in. Um, as much as Bond's been good, I think those two at the start of the season were fantastic. But um, Bond took his chance when he came on as well, which was fantastic. I love the inclusion of Jeffries through the middle. I said to you before the game, I would probably like to have seen McKenzie in there instead of Jeffries. I take that back fully after the start of the game. Um, apart from that, it's pretty pretty safe bet from what he had. And I think he's maybe gone to please the fans with starting Jaden Clark as well instead of going defensive. He knows, obviously, he's been around the club long enough to know what we wanted and he kind of just set out to give us that. I don't think, and I could be wrong, that it'd be in the job for the long run so his job at the moment is get points and make the fans as happy as he can you know what I mean yeah Keith Millen has, did say on uh, Wednesday or Thursday sorry when he had his uh, interview or might have been Friday I'm not even sure time went so quick um, that is he want, didn't want to put his name in for the long term role which you know I know he's, we've won the game under him today but I think that's the right decision um, but yeah Matt um, that was the team obviously it was a formation that people have been clamouring for for a while. They wanted us to play two up top and etc. So I think you were one of them, actually, you were saying it the other day. Um, and obviously, the last time we did that and, you know, people like Jaden Clark started, etc. we went to Grinsby and we were, you know, family-friendly show. We were rubbish um, and we lost the game. So, I suppose there was some trepidation in, in that formation where it hasn't worked before, but it was what people were asking for. They wanted to see two up front. They wanted to see... Uh, Nadis in particular was a name that was uh, talked about a lot during the week as someone people wanted to come back in and see what he could do. Fortunately, due to circumstances out of his control, he didn't last very long, which, you know, 
I don't want to say it was a blessing in disguise because it seems harsh because he got injured, but I think it sort of was in a way. Um, but yeah, when you saw the lineup and, and the players missing, of course, what we talked about, uh, what was what was your first initial thoughts? First thing I want to say is I've seen a few rumours flying around. I just ignore them. That's all I'm going to say on on that about a couple of missing players. Look, they're missing for whatever reason. They 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 weren't turning up. They weren't so obviously part of the squad. Look, you know when you when you are leaving out obviously players like your your, your captain. Uh, you, you know, obviously, I, I think Johnny's got to say got the injury. Um, I don't know obviously what why uh, George was left out, but. I still think that was still a really good strong lineup to go with. We still had quite a strong bench. You know, I'm a big fan of Matty MacArthur. I think you know he'll he'll be really good once he kind of gets his feet in, in, into the first team. Um, I was sort of pleased for it that he was on the bench. Um, it was nice to see Max Clark actually get on. I've got to say that. Uh, obviously, I know he came on later on, but it was nice to see him actually get on because again, he looked good when he came on. But I, I thought it was uh, say a really positive lineup to, to going with two up top. I just felt. Um, our play in that final third was okay beforehand under Neil. It was okay, but we just, you know, it wasn't good enough. Okay isn't good enough, you know. Um, we weren't scoring enough goals, and I just, I do feel that, you know, two up top would have been key. I, I will say this I think part of um, Neil's downfall was obviously the having the injury to Ollie Hawkins. I think if, if Ollie Hawkins would have been fit, you would be seeing Ollie Hawkins and Macaulay Bond playing up top together. Um, and that might have given him a completely different outcome, but it is what it is. And Keith today, he put a really good, strong team out, and it was what us fans wanted to see. And look, at the end of it, we've we've got our reward. We have that reward, of course, being three points. Uh, Simon, welcome back. Uh, if anyone isn't aware, anyone that listens to us on Spotify, you have Simon to thank for that. The uh, the technical mind behind uploading it onto Spotify. So thanks for that, Simon. But um, in terms of uh, the game, we're just talking about the lineup. Um, Obviously, there was notable absentees. We don't want to go into the where's and why's about why that might be. I'm sure we'll we'll find out in due course, etc. But um, considering we haven't had shared the chance to really catch up with you recently about um, what, what's going on, let's firstly get your opinion on the news that did break on Thursday about Neil Harris being relieved of his duties and how did that really impact your thinking going into this game as well? Because I'll be, I'll be honest, personal point of view, I didn't feel we were more likely to win the game today under Keith Miller than we would have been under Neil Harris. Um, Neil's record of priesthood was very, very good. And, you know, I think regardless of if Neil was here or not, I think we would have won that game today uh, just because of that record and the fact that, you know, we were we were given two goals as well. That helped. Um, but, yeah, what was your overall view when, when the news broke on Thursday and how did that impact your thinking going into today's game as it might have been different to what it would have been if Neil was here? Yeah, and no, it was interesting. I mean, obviously the the decision to to sack Neil, I thought was, to be honest, too early. Um, I think that there were signs that there were issues that needed to be addressed. I think we'd started the season well, and I think probably the last time I was on this pub, we were talking about the fact we were winning all these games one nil, and it was a case of, you know, we need to fix these problems of only getting one goal and obviously getting our strikers up and running and. The problem, having to fix that problem from the top of the league is obviously more desirable than having to do it when you're further down the league. But I honestly thought that given how we'd started in terms of our league position, that they might have given him until maybe till like mid to end of November. Then maybe if, if, if they still felt like they needed to make a change, they could make a change then. Give the new manager a month or so to assess the squad before potentially making any tweaks 
in a new year in the January transfer window. So I think Neil can consider himself a little bit unfortunate. If we're looking purely in football terms, um, then I think he, he can consider himself very, very unfortunate. But obviously, we don't know what else, you know, what else is going on. They talked about a change of direction. Neil Harris was was uh, was let go as Jill's manager. Note the term manager, and they're looking to hire a head coach. Manager t- typically tends to be in charge of all football-related matters at a football club, whereas a head coach is there literally just to to coach and run the first team. Um, and obviously, with a director of football, and we have a head of recruitment as well. I think that's just drawing those lines of separation a lot more clearly for whoever's coming in next. My reaction after the sort of the initial shock of Neil going was, okay, who do we want? And I was having this conversation with with my mates who I sit with in the medway stand before the game, and I really do not know. I honestly do not know who I who I would like to see running the Jills moving forward. Normally, when a manager goes, um, there's been a bit of a lead up to it, and you you tend to sort of have a look around and you sort of pick names out and you think, yeah, I want either this guy or that guy or whatever. No one leaps off the page for me, uh, to be honest with you, because we're either looking at non-league managers who are unproven. We're looking at people in our division who are doing well now, but haven't had that tenure of success over, over a lengthy period of time. Or in a couple of cases, we're looking at a couple of, uh, couple of uh, more, more seasoned veterans who perhaps have been bouncing around the game a little bit and aren't necessarily at the peak of their career. So it's a tough one for me. It's a tough one for me. And I was interested to see how Keith Millen set the team up today because if he'd have just gone out there and picked a 4-5-1 with largely the same personnel, that would have meant that getting rid of Harris this week would have been utterly pointless. So I think he had to pick a vastly different team and make a little bit of a, a difference in that front. And um, yeah, the uh, the team... For, for the large portion of the game, did pretty well, I thought. Yeah, after, after we've gone through the game, we would have a discussion amongst ourselves about potential names, managers, pros, cons, etc. And we'll not try and get to consensus, because just because if we come to consensus, doesn't mean it's going to happen. But we'll put some names out there and see uh, see what works best and talk about, you know, if you want to go into Bet Victor's numbers and things like that, who they reckon and things like that. But I'm sure we'll come to a, a nice discussion about... Um, a future future candidate, um, but yeah, in, t- in terms of the game, Alex will bring will bring you uh, bring you back in, and um, yeah, we saw the team. We saw it's four four two. I'll be honest, first twenty minutes, I thought we were PG show rubbish. Um, I thought MK Don's had a lot of the ball. I think we were struggling to really make any sort of like passes on the ground. There's a lot of balls in the air, and it looked like the players were a bit not not shell shocked, but sort of not used to being in the scenario that they were in where. You know they can't look to their right hand side and see the manager standing there for direction and things like that. They've got someone there, obviously Keith Millen, but it's not someone they're particularly used to. He's been around the club with the B team, but not really involved in the the first team setup. It looked as though the players, you know, they, they said how shocked they were um, when Luz came out and Chad Ogie's come out tonight and said the same about the, the shock in his press conference. And it did just look like we were a bit not all over the place, but not really there in headspace sort of terms I suppose you could put it and you know we did we didn't suffer for it in that period because NK Dons couldn't take advantage but it, it was a very slow start first 20 wasn't it yeah I mean the, the first first 20 minutes scared me really scared me because I I saw us getting 
pumped two, maybe even three in that first twenty minutes. We didn't look anywhere near a side that was that was good enough to beat the MK Dons team, which are, is quite rare given that it's MK Dons and if you know League Two then you know MK Dons aren't on a fantastic run. Um but after those twenty minutes, as you say, we we got better and it is partly looking to the side and you're not seeing that, that face. Those of you that, that, have, that have had the pleasure of speaking to Neil and, and sitting in the Medway stand and here, you hear him constantly on the touchline. He is, he is a proper man manager and he's always got information for the players and losing that's massive. And I, There was a moment in the first half where um, Scott Malone was, he was captain today. Um, I think that MK Don's had a chance and he just rallied the troops. And I think without him today, we wouldn't have seen that turnaround. And it is ultimately that that's what you look to in this situation. You know, the manager's gone. It's a shock, but the, you're professionals. You've got to get over it now. We move on. We thank Neil for, for his time. But now it's it's down to winning football matches. And that's exactly what the players went out and did today. And without the leaders on the pitch, I don't think we would have seen that that reaction. So it's credit to them, really, being noticing that... that players are maybe looking for Neil and, and taking that place. I suppose, Matt, as well, you, you sort of come down to in the first 20 minutes, you have Nichols and Allison who haven't played recently. Uh, both came on in the midweek defeat of crew, but in terms of starting games, they haven't really been doing it as of late. Um, Jaden Clark obviously hasn't started many games and there's obviously the change of formation from what we'd been used to in the last month or so. So maybe that was part to play for the slow start and sort of getting the heads around the different formation, doing personnel and things like that. And it did just take a, take a while to click. Um, MK Donalds did have a heart in mouth, mouth moment for our point of view. And John, Joe Thomas had a ball down left-hand side. It was a cross-come shot. I think it was probably, a, that's always horrible to say, isn't it? It, was, it looked more like a cross, to be honest with you. But maybe he was going for goal. It sort of just goes straight across the face of goal. It's one of those where, quite similar actually to the Lucas Aikens header against Mansfield last week, where he, at a tight angle, he puts it back across goal, goes, goes across the face of goal and it's just begging from an MK Don's point of view just for a touch to put it in. It was going at a bit of pace, but it was very much a, a heart and mouth moment at that, at that particular um, particular moment. But I suppose that slow start, as we were saying, Matt, was sort of, well, disappointing in one sense, but then very helpful in the other. Not that, you know, let's be honest, not that Ashton Allison was having a terrible game, not by any means, but... He wasn't in the game, neither was Tom Nichols really. And, you know, we weren't really making that link from midfield to attack. It was very much just trying to get on the ball, trying to get some position, which we were struggling with. And on around 18 minutes after Inco Dons had enjoyed a lot of the ball, a lot of territory, um, Ashton Addison went down for a second time in the game. He'd gone down just before and looked like he wanted to continue, but hit the deck a second time. And that ultimately meant that he had to leave the field and, you know, we'll get on to why it's a turning point in a minute, but firstly, hopefully, um, I think it's a rolled ankle for Ashley, so hopefully he recovers soon. But that moment sort of was the catalyst for the game changing, wasn't it? So what did you think the, the issue was in the first 20 minutes in terms of a slow start? And then, obviously, the unfortunate injury to Ashley, which turned out to be, in hindsight, a bit of a, a, bit of a turning point in the game. Uh, do you know what? I heard somebody say something behind me earlier. Um uh, in, in in the game and he said it was uh, it was like the players were grieving 
uh, and I, and I kind of get what 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 he meant by that. You know, you, like like you said, they were, you know, they were they were looking across. They 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 were used to obviously seeing Neil there, and he and he was gone. You know, it was only a couple of days. Most managers, when they get you know, fired or, or sacked. It's normally like the following day after a game, you know, it, it was quite short notice. So I kind of think there was that kind of a bit of, this is weird. This is uh, sort of a bit of a weird sensation, but yeah, we were lucky that obviously during that time, MK didn't, you know, come at us hard and, you know, get an early goal. Cause I think that would have really rocked us and, and shook us back. But Obviously, uh, you know, obviously, so we're going to come to it in a second, but obviously the Ashley um, uh, Nadison injury, I actually think was really key for us because when McCauley Bond did come onto the pitch, he totally changed the game for us. He certainly did, Simon, and obviously we don't want to see anyone coming off injured and it was, you know, unfortunate. And we have to say again, it's not, we're not saying it's a turning point because, you know, we're glad Ashley Nadison came off and we're glad he got injured, obviously not, but... It was him who had to make way, and uh, McCauley Bond came on, and it was, it was literally like a light switch, wasn't it? Really, from you know hardly getting any position, uh, any position, not really being able to play the ball that particularly well. McCauley Bond comes on, and um, I was saying in the first half, uh, Rich said to me, sorry, in the first half, it was like we'd gone from punting the ball up long to someone who can win headers to punting the ball up to two people who can't win headers, and then obviously when Ashley comes off and McCauley comes on. He was winning everything in the air. He was getting in behind. He was making chances, bringing others into play. And one of the main things that I think McCauley deserves a lot of credit for, I know people get frustrated with sometimes when he misses good chances, and obviously we understand that. But I think the fact is he gets those chances because he's a better forward-thinking striker than the other ones we've got, with all due respect to them. I don't think you see Nichols on Addison getting those chances, being in that right position to, to get on the end of chances and things like that. And... Obviously, McCauley's not going to score them all, but I think that's where he brings the most out of himself and to credit to the team as well. And I think it's just a bit of a level up from the other strikers we have. Obviously, it's frustrating when he doesn't score chances he should be, but he gets in the positions and as long as he keeps doing that, he's going to score a lot more than, than he doesn't, I think. And it was his substitution that, as I say, brought the game to life, flipped the switch. Um, immediately, he had a chance um, after coming on, quite a good chance as well, really. It was uh, Mahoney had the ball on the right-hand side, Cut it back to Clark. It looked like he sort of got sandwiched between two MK Don players, and then the ball fell to McCauley Bond. Looked to be sort of on the penalty spot area from where we were looking at it from the uh, from the Rainer men. Swivel turned it, hit just wide of the post. And obviously, Simon, at that point, uh, I don't know about you, but I was thinking first big chance of the game, forced McCauley Bond. He's put it wide in. My first thought was, oh, he's he's, he's not going to have one of the, another one of those games, is he? Surely. Yeah, I mean the thing about the thing about McCauley, and I know he's he's kind of polarised the fan base a little bit. There's there's a group of a group of our fans who have recognised the the work rate that he's putting in, and there's another group who perhaps have been uh, a lot more critical of him um, as a goal scorer. But I think this might have been the first time, certainly the first time I can remember. I, obviously, I don't do I don't do all the away games, but this might be the first time that he's actually had a, a proper strike partner, and I think he looks. He looks completely transformed up there with someone playing alongside him or just off him, and I think the combination of him with with uh, with Tom Nichols, who likes to just drop off naturally anyway and sort of find find the spaces, um, they seem to they seem to hit it off almost instantly. And it was different because when the long ball was going forward prior to him coming on, you know we had two two guys who were just sort of chasing shadows, trying to chase these these aimless long balls forward. All of a sudden, even though Bon isn't isn't the biggest front man, he occupies centre halves. He makes them do a bit of defending, and uh, you know he gives them a bit of a fight. And 
that made a difference. You know, defenders were making mistakes. They were putting balls out for throw-ins. They were making making errors on the ball. Just just generally not having the time to be composed and to find passes and start attacks. So, and I thought it, it was a game changer having him up there, really being a pest and being a real pain in the backside for the for the opposition centre halves. And with someone like Nichols sort of running off him, and you know there were a couple of times right in front of where I was in in block C of the Medway stand where. Almost before the ball gets to Bond's head, Bond's almost directing traffic, telling telling Nichols which way to run and just sort of flicking it in his direction. And just having a partnership up front made such a difference. And you could see it straight away. And as the game went on, it just got better and better. And then, and I'm sure we'll get to it a bit later on, once the attacking players started to be taken off, we also saw us revert back to perhaps what we might have seen in recent weeks where we had an isolated front man we were sitting back too far and, you know, we obviously know what happened towards the end of the game. We were hanging on, but that, that middle portion of the game, as you say, first 20 minutes, not good, not good at all. Unfortunate injury to Ash on comes McCauley. All of a sudden we've got a focal point. And I would say for probably that, that sort of middle third of the game, I thought we were outstanding in terms of the way we were, you know, the way we were going about our work. And um, it was because we had a partnership up front. And we had some forward-thinking midfield players looking to get the ball forward to them. So, um, yeah, I was, I was, I was really pleased to see it. And when that first chance was missed, obviously, it was a bit of a snapshot. It came to him really quickly. But the fact that he scored that, that, that chance that he did, he had a long time, a long time to think about that as he was running through on goal. And they're quite often the ones where a striker low on confidence will miss because it's running through their head. What do I do? I haven't scored in ages, or whatever it might be. He put that ball away like a guy who's, you know, scored six or seven already this season. He looked very confident. And hopefully, hopefully that'll be that'll be something that gets him on a little bit of a run because you could see his confidence after that goal just seemed to soar and he was winning winning headers and putting people in and I thought he had I thought he had a really good game today. Yeah, Bacoli, very, very impressive again. And and Alex is a good point Simon makes, wasn't it? Um about bringing something out of Tom Nichols as well, because Tom was much like Ashley in the first 20 minutes or so, didn't really get involved in the game, didn't have any real impact. But he didn't only transform the team's performance in general, McCauley. I think he, he brought a lot out of Tom Nichols. I thought Tom was exceptional for that sort of 60-minute period, if you like, before uh, the subs were made. And I, I thought he grew into the game really well. Obviously, got the assist for the goal. We'll come on to it later on. But I thought those two as a partnership that really, really healthy together. Um I, I thought they should work really well. They bounced off each other really well. Tom was getting into spaces he wasn't quite able to get into before. And I think Tom's had a bit of a quiet season so far by his standards. Obviously, he came in in January and started at like a house on fire. Got some really important goals for us. Not many headers, but a lot of important goals to keep us where we wanted to be uh, in, in the Football League. And I think he's he, he's shown signs today that there's a good partnership to have there with McCauley. And uh, well, seeing as we've got rounds right now, Alex, you'll have the uh, the honour of talking us through the goal. Uh, sorry, Matt and Simon, but that's the way the routine works. Um, so um, after we did have that chance, um, look, all it, it put wide and we were sort of wondering about whether this is going to be his day or not. It did get through again on the left-hand side. Um, not a clear-cut chance by um, any any shape or form, but it was one that forced a good save from uh, Miguel Avery in the... Uh, in the MK Don's goal, and uh, we were getting closer and closer. We were starting to pepper them a bit. We were having a lot of control of the ball, good chances. Um, and then the moment came, as I said, MK Don's came bearing gifts, Santa Claus FC. Uh, ball over the ball, uh, ball over the top. 
looked like it was um, going to be too much to go for from McCauley. Bond like Anthony Stewart was going to get there first, but he misjudges the bounce as Anthony Stewart doesn't get hold of it at all, lets it go past him. McCauley Bond races onto it. And uh, like Simon was saying, Alex, it's a, it's a very composed finish from McCauley. He sort of waits for the keeper to make his move. I think he sort of, I haven't watched it back yet, but it looked as though he slid it through the goalkeeper's legs. I looked like that anyway, hopefully it did. Um, so he took his time, made sure he got the finish correct as he did and didn't need a lot of power, just needed a bit more placement and a bit of accuracy and that's what we got. And it was a great moment for, for us, obviously, after a, a tough week to take the lead in front of a big um, big Priestfield crowd and to get the crowd back on side. Also for McCauley, obviously, with you know the game against Crew probably still in his mind going into this game in terms of wanting to right the wrongs of, of that game and that miss. He won't need telling. It was an awful miss. You know, he doesn't need me, you, Matt or Simon to tell him he should have scored it. He would have known himself and that makes this goal for him um, a, a big moment, doesn't it? Because he puts that behind him and he can start looking forward to putting it towards going on another run again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean... We say that MK came bearing gifts. They did, but it goes back to obviously what Simon said about Nichols and Addison are very similar and they like to play in the shadows, in and around, getting behind, occupy those little pockets of space, not so much occupy the defenders, whereas McCauley one does. And I think if he's not on the pitch, that chance, we don't have it. Stewart's got the time, he passes it back to his keeper, but he's set, almost second-guessing himself because he knows that Bond's going to be on his heels. And he absolutely is. I think if we go back to even two weeks ago, before he gets that first goal for us, um, obviously against Mansfield, um, I think he misses that chance. I think he snatches at it um, and it probably ends up over the town end. Um, but he looked like, so when he came off the bench, he looked like he had a real bit between his teeth, like he couldn't believe he had been dropped. And when he got through, it's calm, cool, composed. Um, having watched it back, he puts it just down to the left-hand side of the keeper. And it's a, it's a fantastic finish, and I'm really happy for him. I've had my doubts, and I've, I've said my things on him when he misses these big chances. But as you've rightly said, you've got to be in the, those positions to get the chances. And ultimately, the more time he spends on a tip pitch, the more time he's in those positions, he'll get those goals. And he, he has proven today that he will score those chances. Yeah, he missed two, one, arguably. If he doesn't take the shot, he wins a penalty in the second half. Um, and the first one, it's a guilt-edged opportunity, but it comes at him fast. And again, if we're going back two weeks, he probably lets that get on his mind, but he gets out of his head and goes and, and takes this goal fantastically well. And I've heard a lot of people say, and unfortunately I'm, I'm not old enough to, to have watched Bob Taylor, um, a lot of people say that they, they see something similar happening where maybe didn't start too well, but just comes out like a bat out of hell and, and goes and, and scores 20 goals this season. And based off today's performance, I wouldn't put it past him. I'll be honest. Matt, another, another important thing to talk about McCauley is that there's been a lot of people slating him recently. Some people said he was a waste of space last week. He not fit to wear the shirt. We, we know some, some fans can be just very over the top, depending on the mood after a game. And I think McCauley's proven to be our most influential attacker in recent weeks alongside Conor Mahoney. He create, he gets chances that others won't be able to create or get an end of. I, don't, I think that's why I think he is our best forward option alongside Mahoney, of course. But I think there's a lot of credit for McCauley Bomb because obviously he came in with no pre-season. He looks incredibly fit now compared to, you know, without being rude to him, he looked like he had a bit of timber on him at the first time we saw him. He looks a lot, a lot more trimmer now, a lot quicker, a lot faster. And 
he's clearly worked very hard to get into a position where he can be a consistent performer in League Two, consistent starter. And I think he's someone where I, I don't think as many fans as they should notice just how good a player I've actually got on our hands. He has the capability to, to be someone who gets a lot of goals in this division. He, you know, I know he's had some chances that have gone away, uh, awry sorry, recently, but he's getting into those positions and he's getting goals now, importantly. There's two two now in the last three games. So if he carries on that record, he'll be looking very healthy by the end of the season. I think he's someone that not only throw took a goal, but he's, he's all-round play today. Much like in other games, he deserves a, a lot more credit than I think he gets, McCauley. 100%. He, I called it a few weeks ago, I, you know, and obviously ever since I've been saying, I feel like he needs to play with two two up top and you you saw it today with him and, and, and Nichols. I actually don't think that would be the best pairing. I actually think him and Nadison would be a, 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 a brilliant pairing up top together personally. Um, uh, obviously with Haw- Haw- Hawkins being out, but um, he, he is a proper striker and, and, and that's the thing. I mean, you saw it with the finish today. Um you know, he 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 took his time. You know, where where maybe other strikers might have rushed the shot, and and the keeper might have got a hand to it or a foot to it or something. He took his time. He waited for the keeper to make the move, and then he slotted it past him. It, it was a proper striker's goal. I will say, I'm very disappointed. He didn't do his driving uh, celebration. I, I I was very uh, unhappy with that. Unlike the uh, the other one, he did. Uh, but uh, no, his his all round plays has been excellent. He's been asked to basically be, be that target man. Uh, previously and you know yeah he might not be a target man but he's done that job really well and I, honestly I, I really do think he's going to be a top class striker for us and, I, and I'm going to echo what uh, Alex said and, and look, I am unfortunately old enough to have been around when Bob Taylor was playing uh, and you know we, we affectionately refer to him as Super Bob but we did not refer to him as Super Bob in his first 15 or so games. He, you know, it, it took him a while to get going. But ultimately, once he did get going, he became a proper club legend. Now, look, Macaulay Bond could become that. He's only at the start of his duels career. But you're right, two goals in, in three games. And I would say that's two goals in three games where he's back to full fitness. He gets into positions, as everyone else has said, that nobody else does. He is, a, I think, going to be a real threat in League Two this year. Depending on the manager we get in, look, I hope we get a, a, a manager that's got a really good attacking mindset or a head coach or whatever we're going to get who's got a really good attacking mindset because I think if we can utilise Bon, he's got goals in him and, and the more goals he scores, the more confidence he'll get and the more outrageous the goals we'll see him score. I'm sure, no doubt, you know, he'll start taking chances that you wouldn't believe and, you know, I, I, I really do think he can become a top, top, top class player for Jules and, and somebody that we'll be going to be, you know, like Simeon Jackson today, he'll be coming on the pitch in a few years' time and hopefully we'll be celebrating him. Yeah, Matt has certainly seen a lot of Jules great. So I think he was actually um, the mascot when Brian Euro scored his first goal back in the uh, 60s. So, um, Simon. Uh... Hey, 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 hold on, hold on. That might have been my dad. Well, you'd like to think. Simon, um, completely lost track of what I was saying now. Um, yeah, Macaulay Bourne, as we've mentioned, got the goal. Very, very deserved goal. Deserves a lot more credit, of course. Someone else who deserves a lot of credit and is getting it rightfully. Um, probably been one of our standout performers uh, this season and um, he had a strike uh, just after the goal, probably in around 30, 35 minutes sort of or something like that. Uh, not too long after. Um, uh, Ethan Coleman, much like we saw on Tuesday night, shot from range, off the post. This one was a beautiful effort it was sort of 
lets the ball run across his body, sort of cuts across it, looks like it's destined for the bottom corner, an absolute rocket of a shot. Unfortunately, just goes wide of the post. It may have clicked the post, I'm not entirely sure, but another great effort for me from Coleman. And before we get on to the rest of the game, Simon, I think we just need to have a, a little moment here to, to just ap- appreciate what, what a player we have in Ethan Coleman. You know, there's been talks at times where we've got a certain deal as long as we signed the right player here, there, whatever. But Ethan Coleman was one of those, along with Jaden Clark at the time. I think it was the same date as the fans for him uh, at some point in January where Ethan Coleman's name came out that we'd announced we signed him. No one had really known, her, no, even not heard of him or not heard too much about him. And I think he's proven to be in terms of since we've got new director of football, we've got head of the group. And I think Ethan Coleman's right up there with one of, if not the best signing we've made in that time, in my opinion. He is absolutely mustard. Yeah, he is. I remember I remember when we signed him, I think I think him and Jaden Clark were both referred to as ones for the future. Well, that wasn't that wasn't really true, was it? That he's very much one for the present. And every good every successful team needs somebody who can sit in the middle of the pitch and be a bit of a destroyer, someone who can just break up play and, and start the attacks off from that deep line midfield position. You need to and especially at League Two level, they need to have some legs about them as well. I know We've got Sean Williams, who reads the game so well um, through all these years of experience. But there are times where he can get a little bit overrun if the midfield he's up against are a bit mobile. I think Ethan, Ethan's got the legs to go with that that physicality, and uh, he's reading. You know, for for such a young player, he reads the game really well and doesn't mind a shot from twenty twenty five yards. You know, you mentioned it in midweek. He hit the post. He was really unlucky, and I've I've watched the uh, the highlights of today. And uh, the camera angle was almost com- almost directly behind his shot, and it almost looks like it just just uh, clips the outside of the post on the way past. But it was a fantastic strike. Keeper didn't even smell it. It was it was it was you know a couple of inches to the left. It's in off the post. So, but he's he's been a, a real find for us, and um, so so valuable when you consider that you know Sean Williams is trying to manage a knee injury, which um, Keith Millen said that that's why he, he wasn't involved today. Um, so that, that being the case, you know, you need to be able to have somebody to step in. If, if Sean Williams is your starting uh, central midfielder in that holding role, then you need somebody to come in and do as good a job. Um, and he certainly does that, you know, arguably he gives you more than, than Sean Williams, uh, than, than, than Sean Williams does in, in terms of mobility, getting up and down the pitch. And uh, he's been he's been outstanding. Both him and Dom Jeffries have been have been revelations for us, really. I think in midfield. And um, yeah, I was I was super impressed with him today. And I think he's only going to get better. You know, the more the more games he gets back to back, he's just going to get better and better. He just has to watch watch out for those yellow cards. He's he's racking a few of them up, and it's quite early in the season. So uh, that's the only thing you might have to be a little bit wary of. But yeah, no, he's uh, he's looking like a real player for us. He's a uh, a very, very handy person to have in that squad, for sure. I was actually thinking that with his yellow cards. We've got quite a few who are, must be up either one or two away from suspension now. Scott Malone picked up another one today. I think Ogie's been on one away from suspension for a few games now. Coleman obviously got the, uh, the red card against Colchester, so we need to sort out that side of the game, I suppose. But then sometimes you just need to take yellow. Um, but yeah, Coleman shot in that instance, just going uh, past the post and it was... A moment now, if we had got the second goal, we would have very much deserved it very, very much on top at that time. And then uh, I put it down as a half chance. I know it was probably more than that, if you like, but I think considering the actual eventuality of it, it wasn't a massive opening. Um, 
we got in behind as well again with um with Clark. He waited for Nichols who had loads of space in the middle. Nichols runs onto the ball, advances into the um into the NK Don's half and Cole's an effort which um is tipped round and posed by McGilvery. I'd put that down with all due respect to Tom and his shot. I think that's one of the camera saves you put into um the conversation. I think it was um not really hit with a lot of ferocity. Had a, good, had a good angle and a good bend on it, but I think most keepers at this level would have been very disappointed had they not uh, managed to hit that round the post. And then Alex, um, the biggest moment in the game from a defensive point of view for Jill was um, didn't have much uh, to defend them. Okay, Don's did you expect quite a lot of the ball, but struggles really make everything clear cut apart from that shot across the box that we mentioned earlier. But this is when uh, Turner had to make himself known. Um, Mo Issa is obviously a very prolific scorer at this level. Had a great season with Cheltenham a couple of years ago where he scored a hat full of goals uh, and I think it was 22 or something like that. And he started the MK Dons' um, League 2 campaign very well as well. Not been as potent uh, in recent weeks, but then the team has been off form, so you can understand that. But he looked like he was going to produce a, a magical striker from around 20, 25 yards. It was a really, really good effort. Looked like it was bending all the way into the far corner and Jake sort of has to readjust. I think it may have been taking a nick off Conor Master on the way through as well. And he gets his left hand out and manages to tip it round the coast for, for a corner from K Dons. And it looked for the life of me at that point. And it would have been really frustrating as well, considering how well we played um, up to that point, um, discounting the first 20 minutes. And obviously, if, if it's a wonder strike, then you can't really do much about it. But it looked destined to go into the corner. And two things about this, really. Firstly, it's a wonderful save from Jake and also to get himself in, in the right mindset as well, obviously, having, to, having been more as a passenger for the majority of the half as well, to make sure he was there when he was called into action, and he did it by producing a fantastic save to ensure we went in at half time, won it up. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic save, and I've, I've seen uh, Mo score from that exact position this season multiple times already, and we know he's got it in his locker. Um I've got to say, where I sit in the random end of block floor near the top, I've heard some bloke all game, I don't know who it was, all game shouting at Jake Turner, not good enough, release the ball quicker. I couldn't care less if he held that ball for six seconds every time he got it. If he's putting off saves like that, I couldn't care less. I All I want from my goalkeeper is to stop the ball going in the net. And that's not the, obviously we'll get on to the, the save in the second half as well, but it's an absolute world of a save, which... There isn't many keepers, apart from our number two, there isn't many keepers in this league to save that. And as you say, he's been a passenger for most of the half. So to be switched on, ready, and not only save it, parry it out of danger. We saw one where they had the ball in the back of the net where he's made the save, but he has put it straight back into that danger area and is lucky that the lad that's put it in the net was offside. So to to sort of come back from that and parry it round the post and out of the danger zone, it, it it's simply incredible. And he has got his chances as the number one and, and taking it with both hands. and That's another prime example of why he's, why he's starting ahead of Morris. Yeah, we've said that for a while, Matt. The best thing about the situation at the back for us is that we, took, we do have two top-class goalkeepers at this level where both um, Glenn, who has obviously not been able to get a game really this season, he'll play on Tuesday in the Pepperoni Passion Cup, but no one really cares about that, with all due respect. Um and then obviously Jake, who's been fantastic this season, very much deserves to be um, the number one on the basis of what we saw in pre-season and what we've seen so far uh, this campaign. So there's a lot to really talk about in terms of Jake Turner and, and how 
how good he's been this season. A lot of people assumed it would be Glenn Morris continuing, obviously, after he got all the awards at the end of the season last year. But he stepped up. He's made that number one spot himself. And with, with saves like that, you, you're not surprised. Um, I think Glenn Morris probably at his age might be looking towards retirement at the end of the season, which is obviously will be disappointing, obviously, considering how good he was last year. But it also helps having someone like Glenn there to help a younger goalkeeper in Jake along. And I think at this moment in time, Jake is proven to be one of the best goalkeepers in the league in my division, in, in my division, in my opinion, which is my division. Um, but yeah, it saves, saves like today, just, just prove why, didn't they? I can say, I can sum it up in a three words. England's number one. Simple. He's just, I know he's, he's unbelievable. We, we've, we've, Got one of the best goalkeepers, you know, as you said, in the, in the division. We, how we've managed to get him to come here, um, you know, obviously, I know obviously he's recently signed a new contract, hasn't he, which is brilliant. Uh, obviously, had it not been for the injury to Glenn Morris at the start of the season, um, yeah, I think Glenn Morris probably would have started the first game and uh, and and then, you know, Jake might not have necessarily got a look in. But yeah, he's he's got that number one spot. He's kept it himself. Uh, he, he's pulled off some amazing saves this season, full stop, and thoroughly deserves to, to, to keep that number one jersey at the moment. Um, you know, he's metaphorically and figuratively speaking, the first name or down are going to be one of the first names down on the team sheet each week because, I said, with, with saves like that, um, even that reaction save to deny the goal. I mean, to be fair, you could argue that the defence should have been a little bit more alive to, to stop it, but it was a great, great reaction stop and... You know, if he keeps playing the way he's going to keep playing, that those clean sheets are going to start coming back, and uh, eventually, you know, you never know, he could be on for the Golden Glove this year. Yeah, Simon, we've had, we've had this great defensive record for the majority of the season. People have obviously talked about, and rightly so, the fact that we haven't scored a massive amount of goals, but we also haven't really leaked many goals, really. Um, we've been pretty resolute at the back, and we've had a very uh, reliable back four, and obviously with Jake at the back as well. And I think Jake's one of those who. You know, he's had to wait the best part of the season, really, for his chance. He played the games last season you'd expect him to in terms of the uh, Papa John's and the League Cup games and whatever else. But this is a season where he's been able to have his breakthrough. And I think everyone's really chuffed for him. I think he's deserved the opportunity. He's taken it uh, with both hands, as he should with a goalkeeper. He'd be worried if not. And he's made sure that he's going to be staying in that number one position. And, you know, that, that save at the end was... Uh, not the main reason, of course, because we deserve to be where we were. We probably should have been two up at the point, but was a good, uh, good reason why we we went in at the break half half time one and up. And despite the first twenty minutes, overall, it was probably a deserved lead, wasn't it? Because as I said, MK Dons did have a lot of the ball, but didn't really make anything clear cut from it other than that ball across the box I mentioned earlier. And that obviously the save at the end of the half from Jake. But I think in terms of twenty minutes onwards, I think we we did more than enough to deserve to be going in at the break at one nil. Could arguably even two. Yeah, yeah. I think I think in terms of Turner, I think the fact that he's now getting regular games and the defence in front of him are staying relatively consistent in terms of team selection. You know, being able to have that consistent relationship between, particularly the goalkeeper and the two centre halves, is really important. That that sort of triangle at the back, um, that is so so important especially at lower league level where you get a lot of long ball played over the top. Communication has got to be absolutely spot on. There are a couple of little moments today where it is a little bit heart in the mouth where uh, I think uh, I think the centre-halves were thinking that Turner was going to come for stuff that he didn't. But in the main, I mean, he's been he's been outstanding. And as you mentioned, like last year when he played, 
he came in for some of the some of the uh, some of the cup games and stuff like that. And every time he was called upon, he he, he played well. He did a did a decent job, and he's obviously uh, he's obviously won the starting job in pre season, and has done absolutely nothing to suggest that that needs to change. He's been absolutely superb. He's pulled off some absolutely outstanding saves this season. And, um, you know, he's, he's kept us, he's kept us in front in games of where maybe, you know, another goalkeeper might not have, you know, maybe might not have got to the, uh, the, the header or the shot or, you know, whatever it might be, but he's been superb. And as I say, having that consistent back line with the goalkeeper, I think is absolutely crucial. And it's something that in past seasons we haven't had where it's been chopped and changed and it's difficult to form those relationships. But back to the game and, and going in at half-time level. Yeah, sorry, going in at half-time, one up. Um, yeah, I thought, you know, we were a little bit unlucky not to be two up uh, just from, the, you know, the chances we were creating and it just wouldn't wouldn't quite fall for us, which is kind of the story of our season a little bit. But the fact that we had more attacking players on the pitch and it wasn't just a, a one guy up front, you know, we had two out-and-out wingers, coming sort of deep from midfield. We had two out-and-out strikers up front. It meant we had the firepower up front in that in that last third so that we, if we keep creating those chances, we've got people on the pitch to put them away. Uh, and it doesn't just fall to one guy. And, um, yeah, I thought I thought we were good value for one nil at halftime. And, um, you know, thankfully we went on and, and, uh, and, and did the job in the second half as well. But it was, it was really encouraging to go in at halftime one up. I think as well as the players needing it, I think the fans needed it as well. It's been a, it's been a funny old week, um, and I think a lot of people probably went to Priestfield today. I think even you tweeted yourself, Owen, before the game, like you didn't really know what to expect. It all felt a little bit strange. Um, I felt the same. I didn't really know what to expect today. I didn't know what kind of atmosphere we, you know we were going to get. But uh, you know the team went out there, and after that that first twenty minutes, which was a little bit iffy, um, and after we saw Bong come on things started to pick up and I think, you know, everyone was feeling pretty good about things when, when, when the players went off for half-time. Yeah, they certainly were going in um, half-time one. The only thing about Turner really is that his kicking could do a bit of improvement, but I think Morris also has that sort of issue. I think if he can sort that out, he'd be at basically all of it, you know, but that's just a, a minor issue because it doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes his kicking does need improving and also when he gets booked for time wasted, it does still tend to take quite a long time to actually get on with it sometimes to the point where you're starting to question how lenient the ref wants to be or whether we're going to end up with one who wants to put down a letter of the law, if you like, and it might end up badly. But that didn't happen today. Did receive a booking, but thankfully not a second one. Um, going into the second half now, MK Don's uh, credit to us were forced into for, to, into regular change, not due to injury, but because the game was not going in their way whatsoever. Uh, Jack Payne was replaced by Jonathan Lecco, substitutions that preceded unfortunate events. And Joe Tomlinson came off and was placed by Ellis Harrison. Harrison, he went on to get the uh, consolation goal for MK. And really, from the second half, we started like an absolute house on fire. We were by far and away the dominant team in the first, certainly the first 15 minutes of the second half. Um, first chance of the of the second half came to Bond. The corner taken in by uh, Conor Mahoney. Great near post run by Bond. Gets his header to it. Gets a great connection on it. Couldn't really... Uh, gets the power, and I should say, couldn't really get the desired direction. Gets it goalward, but just a bit over the bar, and unfortunately wasn't able to to capitalise on it. But a great initial run from him and connection to get on into it at the near post, and then, well, we say this enough about um, 
at Shadrach Ogi and how impressive he's been. Big moment for him on uh, around 52 minutes. And Matthew Dennis, uh, one of the players who started from Cadons today, came off with an injury a little later on. Uh, that's onto a through pass. Looked to be heading through on goal. And um, then, obviously, Shadow Ogi, as he always does, come out, comes out of nowhere, puts him into the stands, takes the ball. See you later. That is... It's, it's quite funny with Shad. We don't really tend to be impressed when he does this anymore because it's just, it's just common you know, common Saturday occurrence for Shad Ogie, pocketing defenders with ease. And then on the 55th minute, Santa Claus FC came back bearing some more gifts to the MK Don's defence. Uh, but it wasn't defence, it was Jonathan Lecco. As I said, substitutions that preceded unfortunate events. Um, this goal from, from an MK Don's point of view, um, we don't care about it, but it's an absolute shambles, let's be honest. Um, Jonathan Echo receives the ball um, just ahead of uh, the halfway line inside the Gillingham half. Sort of looks to turn, play it forward, turns back again. Looks like he doesn't really know where the pass is. Goes back a bit further, turns, looks left, looks right. Still hasn't played the ball off. Looks right again and then he's caught by Tom Nichols. Nicks the ball off his toe and then runs through on goal. Bearing down on the goalkeeper, McGillivray, we're we're I actually panicked at first because I thought maybe he'd take a bit too long and he was perhaps a bit indecisive, but he gets the ball across. Scott Malone, who, uh, as you listen to our podcast with Scott Malone, if not, do. Um, he said he should have five goals already. He hadn't got one yet. He had one tonight. Put on a plate for him by Jonathan Lecco and then um, Tom Nichols. Scott Malone takes the touch, takes it under control, simple finish into an empty net, which gave us the two-goal advantage we deserved. Um Alex, um, firstly, uh, a, a goal that didn't flatter us whatsoever because in how we ended the first half and how we started the second, we were very, very dominant at that point. Um, it's a it's a goal that you, you know you, you dream for, really, as a as a player on your position team to be handed to you on the silver platter like it was. Jonathan Lecco just trying to do too much, uh, an attacker in a defensive part of the pitch, didn't really know what to do, got confused, and then before he knows it, he's been nicked nicked to possession and. We had a two on one, and you know we, we couldn't miss, could we? Even even somebody doesn't score as many goals as us, even we couldn't cut that one up. And it's a simple finish from Malone gave us a two 0 advantage, which we thoroughly deserved. And you know people can say, you know we've been handed the goals or whatever else. That's not our problem. If teams make mistakes, it's up, it's up to us to capitalise on it. And for the second time in the afternoon, we did just that. Yeah, I think this one, as as we say, from an MK point of view, not that we really care. It's an awful goal to concede. We can see them that we are in uproar, but thankfully it went our way. And the the main thing from this goal that makes like obviously it's you always want it on a plate, but it we create that chance and put him in that position. Ultimately, yeah, he shouldn't be there, and yes, he makes a mistake, but it's that line of engagement that we we weren't seeing from from our attackers. So Nichols being there, ready to pounce on it, and then we've got our left back Scott Malone running through with him, and if having watched it back, Macaulay Bond's there as well. There's there's three players running through on a situation where even against Crew on Tuesday night, if that was, let's say, because it would have been Bond, tackling their, their centre-half, he's waiting five, maybe ten seconds for anyone to be around him for that pass off. And that, I'm not saying that, that Millen's come in and he, he's made all these changes, but like I said at the start, the shackles felt like they were off and the goal really typifies that and I'm absolutely buzzing for Scott Malone. He has been fantastic since coming in. He is an absolute class act. We saw it at the end of the game um, as well, captain today, and, and obviously got his goal. And it, it That, for me, felt like not just a massive moment for him, not just a massive moment in the game, 
but just a massive moment after all. After the week we've had, I think there was still some nerves, even though we were 1-0 up, to go 2-0 up and in that fashion, and for the, him to have scored it, um, it felt like a massive moment. And, I mean, I ended up halfway down the rain and after, um, having jumped up and fell on a chair. So, it was it was all fun and games. Yeah, Matt, it was it was a moment that was coming on the basis of the performance at that point. We were well on top, and we were just hoping that you know a rarity this season that we'd go out, go ahead and find that second goal. And it was gift wrapped, but as Alex said, we had to force the error from Jonathan Deco to take advantage of it. And I think if I said to Reese and Bacardi Bond score, considering the amount of stick he gets, there couldn't have been a more popular goal scorer in my eyes than him. Um, Scott Malone was second on the list, not because he gets slated. Of course, he doesn't. Everyone loves Scott Malone, but he's someone who is so passionate for the club. You can see it in his celebrations, the way he carries himself. And you always wonder what the celebrations were going to be when he gets that first goal. I think, unfortunately for him, because he had been booked, I think he probably would have been in the crowd, but wanting to avoid a second yellow, that wasn't a possibility. But a very popular goal scorer, nonetheless. And, you know, credit to Tom Nichols as well. Could have gone on his own, could have been greedy. Probably would have scored himself or would have backed him too, but he went for the... 100% guaranteed a short goal option that was to play it across to Scott. And at that point, we were absolutely coasting and, and we deserved a 2-0 advantage. 100%. And yeah, as I said, I, th- I think yeah, if, if Tom had taken the chance and, and scored, we would have been happy. But do you know what? The fact that he passed it across to, to Scott, I don't think he, you know, I don't think Tom, I think, sorry, I, I think Tom's realised how much that, that, would, that goal meant to, to everyone because... Scott has been an absolute brilliant player for us this year. I mean, as I keep referring to him, he's our cheat code. He he is. He's our cheat code in League Two. Um, the way the way he plays, that that his vision, the way he pings the ball across the park, and, and nobody I feel like deserved it more. Uh, has deserved a, a goal more than 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 uh, Scott Malone. And that obviously, I'm sure we're going to get onto it at the end. But you know that that at the very end after the final whistle. I think the perfect person was was Scott Malone to do what he did. Yeah, it certainly was. Uh, Simon, obviously, as we just said before, the half time whistle, we could have arguably been, been tuned up. This goal did, of course, make it 2 0. The, um, the error from Jonathan Necco. Something that was interesting about the error itself was I think if you're a fan of MK Dunsley or the manager, you'd be absolutely livid with him, not because of the mistake, but just because that happens. But I saw his reaction at the time, Jonathan Necco. He gives the ball away and then just sort of shrugs it himself, stands there, hands and shoulders, doesn't make any attempt to run back and try and help the uh, help the defence after making that error. Obviously, he probably wasn't going to get there, but he could have still made the effort to look like he wanted to get the ball back, but he didn't. He just sort of stood there and looked like he felt sorry for himself. But again, it's it's another example of two goals which have been gifted to us, we have to say, but also we forced the errors to, to get us into those positions as well. And it was... Uh, it was a moment in the game where I looked at it and I thought, you know, 55 minutes on the clock, 2 0 up. I'm not thinking we should be able to hold on to this 2 0 lead. I was thinking we could go and get three or four here, but just because of the fragility in the MK Don's back line, obviously proven early in the game, they're prone to a stake and they gave us another one. And it looked like it was certainly a team out of form that we were playing, which we were. And it looked like there was a good opportunity to go and capitalise and get more than that. It didn't turn out that way, but regardless of that, it was. Probably a massive feeling of relief, I suppose, in, in, in the stands after a tough week for the players as well. I think they would have obviously been emotional after what has happened during the week. And to get that bit of breathing space, I think you saw a bit of an outpouring of emotion. And just, I suppose, maybe the word in a sense is is relief. Because obviously it would have been 
tough for the players and to get that second goal to give them breathing space, it would have been just a a big, a big sigh of relief that, you know, they can put the last 48 hours, which would have been difficult behind them and just relishing the fact that they're, they're tuning up in, in a League 2 football game and look to be heading to three points. Yeah, I mean, two goal leads in the league are as rare as rocking horse poo at Gillingham, right? So being able to being able to have that two goal lead was was a real moment. I think it was, as you said, you know, whether it was celebration, elation, relief, whatever it was, everybody was really embracing that moment. And as I think, as uh, as Matt as Matt said, it was, you know, the perfect guy to actually do that for us. He's Matt calls him the cheat code. I mean, the word I would use to describe him is he's streetwise. You know, he's got that wealth of experience playing across um, all levels of the English game and uh, for him to be playing for us you know we, we're incredibly fortunate uh, to have him in the team he was the right man to carry the armband uh, with Sean Williams out of the side I thought and um, he put in a captain's performance and you know and a word for Tom Nichols as well because especially for a team and a striker who hasn't been a starting player this season. He scored a fair few goals for us last year. He was our our star striker last year. By the you know by the end of the season, this season has not been it's it's not been like that for Tom Nichols so far. He's been on the fringes of the team. He's been substitute appearances here and there. He hasn't really had that that run of games where he's been first choice in the starting eleven and just being given that that run in the team. And for someone who's been in and out of the team, you would think that if he gets a a chance on a plate, which is what he had, to go on and score a goal for himself and to make a bit of a statement and say, look, I want to be in this team. I need to be in this team. I deserve to be in this team. The fact that he didn't take that chance and he did the right thing for the team by squaring it to someone who had an even clearer chance than he did, um, you've got to take your hat off to him because talking about the different forwards we've got, I think Tom Nichols is the cleverest striker we have at Gillingham Football Club. He's got, for my money, the best football brain of the strikers that we have. And I think the awareness and the selflessness and the ability to recognise the scenario that he was in, even though he probably could have gone on and scored himself, he knew that there was an even better chance to score if he squared it to uh, to Scotty Malone. And uh, yeah, for him to do that and to give Malone that moment and to put us 2-0 up, I mean, you know, that's almost, for me, that's as good as him scoring himself. So huge credit to uh, to Tom Nichols for going on and doing what he did there. I think that's very superbly put. I'm going to ask all three of you uh, a question now. And I want your one-word answers, and I want them to be honest. If you were, if you were Tom Nichols in that situation, are you going for glory or are you passing it? I'm 110. percent I'm I'm smashing that probably into rows out of the rain, man. But there's no way I'm passing. Never in a million years. I'm passing it because I'm not the best finisher in the world. I'd probably be knackered having run that. 15 yards so I would I would have I would have passed the buck absolutely I would have squared it I'm shooting in front of the main amend oh if it was me yeah I'm shooting but if if I was playing for Gillingham I probably would have squared it well Matt you had your chance unfortunately it didn't go your way yeah, but hold on, hold on, hold on. I beat like eight players. I took it into the box. I clipped it over and it just clipped to the top of the bar, right? I came close. What a goal that is for you. I cannot relate as I've scored at pre-sealed. But anyway, um, let's get on to uh, the rest of the game. Um, weren't actually too much to go on after that, really. Um, we had full control of the game by my understanding. Well, not my understanding, I was there, but the way I saw the game. I don't think MK Don's really put too much pressure onto us. There's a few people around me saying that 
they felt the goal was coming when it did. I personally didn't. Um, I thought that we were very much in control and maybe not creating a lot of chances, but also not giving anything away either. And we looked to be sort of just coasting towards victory. 15 minutes left. Nice 2-0 home victory is how it's seen. But on the 76th minute, um, this is where it sort of got a bit tetchy for reasons that I don't think were very necessary at all. Um, Max Saber and Max Clark both came on to replace Tom Nichols and Jaden Clark, the so two forwards off for two defenders. Um, firstly, Alex, my my thoughts on this at the time were, why? Because we were playing really well. We had no real signs of danger. Of course, anyone can hit a goal at any time. It could be you know, a 30-yard scream you can't do anything about and that changes things. But at that moment in time, I thought we were settled in the way we were playing. We were settled in the formation. Those two coming on meant we had to change the setup. Uh, Max Clark was, I thought, was really unfortunate because he hasn't played much football and he was put into centre mid, which is not where he plays. And I thought for one reason or another, I'm sure Keith Millen was, maybe because he's not been in this situation that much in recent years, maybe he just thought, if I bring on more defenders, we'll probably more likely to see out the game. But obviously the problem is with that, when you bring on two defensive minor players and take off two attackers, you've got real no real out ball other than McCauley Bomb, but even then he's just on his own. And uh, Conor Mahoney was withdrawn not long after as well. So you really had, for the last 10 minutes plus injury time, just a team that is majority defenders and then one or two players who can sort of get you up the pitch. But there wasn't really that out ball, which I thought was really concerning. And I thought those substitutions basically forced us into playing basically in our own half for the past, for the last 10 or 15 minutes, just because we didn't have that out ball. And it gave MK Dons an opportunity to get people up the pitch and not have to worry too much about the counter-attacks. We didn't really have the players on the pitch to do that. And I thought it was just really sort of not, you know, people say about Harris and making changes too late to get back into games. I thought this, these two changes were just really unnecessary at the time. I don't think we were under any immediate pressure. I thought we were controlling the game and then we basically ended up just forcing ourselves back into our own half and invited the pressure on and, yeah, from my point of view, just, just before we get on to that, there was a chance only two minutes later, actually, where Mahoney got through on goal with some quick footwork and, unfortunately, he sort of telegraphed his, his shot towards the uh, bottom right in the corner and Begitta very was, was able to get across. But after that, it was very much one-way traffic and we'll get on to goal in just a second. Uh, but Alex, and uh, we'll, we'll, I'll put this question to all of you, actually, and you can all go through it. We'll go for Alex and Matt and Simon. Just uh, what were your opinions on, on the mindset of Keith Millen at that time and making the substitutions he did because I thought it was sort of substitution suicide at that point. It was putting us in a position we didn't need to be in. We were very much in control when it invited MK Dons back into the game and made the last 15 minutes or so a lot more difficult than they ever needed to be. It it really confused me and it looked like he, as you say, thought if I chuck some more defenders on, we'll see the game out because ultimately we'll be defensively resolute. But in the end, it actually created a bit more confusion than help. I think the Max Aimer one confused me massively because I don't understand why we'd change the shape when we've been the dominant team. Uh, the Max Clark one would have made sense to me if he had come on for Jaden Clark and Scott Malone would have gone left wing because then you've got two defensive-minded uh, left-sided players. Obviously, we know Scott can can play down the left hand side in front of that left back, so that would have made that would have made more sense to me. I think he he did, also as you say, made substitution suicide. And I think if you're going to bring on anyone from the bench to play centre mid, and this wouldn't be me on the podcast without mentioning Robin McKenzie, 
But I feel like all of us can agree, whatever your opinions are on him are, if you're bringing someone on to play centre mid, it's not from that bench, it's not Mats Clark, it's, it's got to be Robbie. Um, and I don't quite understand what the thinking behind that was. Ultimately, in the end, it didn't massively matter. Um, but he, I don't want to say look, it, it was kind of like he looked lost, but Mats Clark didn't ultimately know what he needed to do in that position and was actually probably more of a burden than help when he came on. Yeah, I mean, myself, I was a bit, uh, yeah, I was a bit sort of concerned with with the tactics again. I was actually saying, uh, I, I, I've got to say, a big shout out to my wife. I, I brought her on today for her first uh, proper league game uh, this season, and uh, so I think we won because of her. I've got to say that. Um, but yeah, at the time, I, I, w- I was saying to her, oh, you know, if, if anything, bring on someone like Matty MacArthur. You know, somebody who's actually going to uh, still have a go at them because, you know, eat 2-0, yeah, great at, at the time, but make it 3-0, make it 4-0. They, they, these guys were rocking. We were, we were, you know, having a go at them. I, I think we were defensively sound, but why change it? Because I think we could have got more. Honestly, I, I really do. And I, I just feel it was kind of almost negative tactics to to start throwing on defensive players. I know we didn't have many first teamers on the bench, but give Matty McCarthy, I think, has already played for us. But give him another chance. Honestly, I think he's going to be really good. Uh, Sissole was on the bench as well. Bring him on if you need, want to bring anyone on. Let's still have a go at him because I said they were rocking and I just feel, feel it was really negative to, to start throwing on defenders. The only thing I would say on that, uh, Matty MacArthur played in, in, in the uh, Papa John's game or whatever. But I think when you're in that situation, you still do need to manage the game out. And I think bringing on two players with no EFL experience isn't really going to help that. I know it would have um, given us more um, threat going forward, of course. But I think, yeah, I think Rob McKenzie would have been a good sub uh, to put on in the midfield. I think, funny enough, of all the players I thought were tiring, the most important, it was Jeffries who probably got the most gas, but he played the 90. But, um, yeah, I don't think I don't think I would have gone for the for the youthful aspect just because you still do have to manage the game. I think they're the sort of players you give debuts to if you're if you're three or four up in a situation you can afford to as such. But um yeah, Simon, let's get your, your thoughts on, on the substitutions and why uh why you think um Keith went about it. Yeah, it was almost an object lesson in how to throw a game away, wasn't it? Because we, we were bossing the game at the at that point. You know, we we had their we had their defence in all sorts of trouble. We, you know, we were pushing up, we were adopting a high press, we're defending high up the pitch. We weren't in trouble at the back. We weren't conceding that many chances at the back at that point. And then what we did, we went to because we were trying to work out what formation we were playing when all these changes happened. And it looked like we had a flat back five. We had like three centre halves, and then we had Alexander at right back. We had Malone at left back. We had Max Clark, who looked like he'd been thrown on without really that much of a specific role to play. The midfield looked very disjointed and all over the place. And Macaulay Bond, um, back to what I was saying at the start of the pod about it, wasn't it great having a strike partner? All of a sudden, he's back to being Billy Nomates up front on his own again, um, having to deal with long, long balls and no one to sort of lay it off to. So it basically conceded all the... It conceded two thirds of the pitch to MK Dons, and it's it shows you that sometimes when you try and shut up shop, you aren't shutting up shop at all because we conceded so much of the pitch 
to MK Dons. They had the freedom of the first two thirds of the pitch to just bring the ball forward because all of a sudden their defence weren't weren't being pressed anymore. Their fullbacks and their centre halves and their midfield players who were being, you know, they were, you know, we were snapping at their heels previously. All of a sudden, they've got time, they've got space, they can look for people, they can look for space, and they can carry the ball forward. And yeah, we had okay, we had we had uh, a wall of defenders back there, but we we brought all of this onto ourselves. It was it was it was almost suicidal. It was it was it was ridiculous. And the goal when it came, I thought was a superb cross, really really good cross. Great header, um, and um, after that, it was that that wonder save from from Turner. But neither of those things should have even happened. You know, we shouldn't have been in a position for those for those chances to have even been conceded. We were defending so deep, and it comes from we're taking away our first line of defence by taking our some of our forward players off. I know it, it almost sounds counterintuitive. You know you've got more defenders on the pitch, you should be able to defend better. But actually, in that situation, you aren't because you're not balanced anymore. All of your players are in the, in in your own defensive third. And then it's like the Alamo. You've just got to sit there and defend. And this is League Two football. You know, players at this level do make mistakes. Players at this level do slip. Sometimes errors happen and goals are scored. And, you, you know, I don't think, I, I genuinely have no idea what was going through his head at that point. I can understand making maybe one defensive substitution if if you feel the need to just sort of bolster things a little bit. But if you take away your outlet up front, and that's basically what we did, um, it leaves you with nothing. The ball just keeps coming back over and over again, and that's how it was. And, um, you know, it, it, it was thankfully that, you know, it, it didn't cost us. But the last, the last, five, ten minutes of that game were not as comfortable as they should have been. And that was because we made some baffling substitutions, in my view. Well, yeah, that was certainly it. We, we, like you said, Simon, it was more or less like a lesson in how to throw away a, a two-goal two advantage that we worked so hard for in the game. We were incredibly comfortable and then put ourselves in a massive disadvantage for, for no particular reason. As you mentioned, Ellis uh, Harrison did pull one back uh, from Kay Dons. It was a great cross on the right. Jonathan Lecco, um not much of a redemption story, but part of the way to helping himself, I suppose. But uh, great header from Ellis Harrison. Turner, you can't really put any blame on him for that. It's a, it's a brilliant header from Ellis Harrison, you've got to admit. And uh, then Jake Turner comes up with another great save. Um, Dean was on the right-hand side. Um, uh, Dean was somewhere received the ball from the right-hand side in a lot of space uh, for my liking, considering how many defensive players had on the pitch. He uh, had a good amount of space inside the box. It was a great volley first time, yes, I admit. I'd, Looking back, it looks like it's heading right into the top corner, maybe just hitting the crossbar. You can't really tell, but regardless of that, Turner didn't know, and he managed to get his hand across to save it. Um, final um, final parts of the game saw so Conor Mahoney replaced by Rob McKenzie on 88 minutes, um, which then took out another attacking outlet. But Macaulay Bond again managed to help us get up the pitch as much as he could, really, as the lone thrower up there. He got a booking from uh, Anthony Stewart um, after being pulled back by him in an attempt to get away and uh, get us up the field. Then MK Dons were reduced to 10 men. Daniel Harvey, second book of defence, got absolutely done on the right-hand side by Charlie Zander. A little chop round the back of him and then he's clipped him as Chase advanced into the uh, penalty area. Probably a bit of a needless second yellow, really, because when Chase advanced into the box, there is nobody there. So he would have probably had to have turned back anyway. But Daniel Harvey did what he did, took the clip and the second... Um, the second uh, yellow card and inevitably the red. Um, There's a chance to wrap it up right at the end, um, 93rd minute or so. Um, it was a bit of a 
waiting game for the shot to come in and Maciej got the ball byline right inside, played it into Bon. He tried to create some space to shoot, couldn't quite do it. Everyone screamed, shoot, shoot, couldn't quite get it away. Laid off three from Coleman. Uh, we praised him for coming very, very close in the last two games, hitting the post and just nailed him, missing the target today. Um, this one probably not uh, the best effort of the three uh, worldwide in the end, but wasted a bit more valuable time. Um, and then really lost Edmonds of the game, which is making sure we got through. Um, and Kedons weren't able to create another clear-cut chance. One hoofball forward, which was calmly headed back by uh, Shadow Gibbs, Jake Turner. And after that, that was it. And uh, Jill's held on for a 2-1 victory. And um, Darren Drysdale, who I usually despise, never forget Wimbledon away, 2019, three clear penalties, um, was actually quite good today. Blew his final whistle and, and Jill's win the game, the first victory in the first game post um, the Neil Harris era. After the game, Keith Menentips depressed said, I'm really pleased for the players because it's been a tough week. I'm in charge until told differently. I can't do this job any other way. I'm planning for Monday. We have a few injuries. Nadas has rolled his ankle. I would enjoy tonight, but then refocus Monday. Uh, Maka, being called Bond, went on and I thought he was excellent. I enjoyed it. It was nothing new to me, so uh, I knew what to expect. Then Shadogi took the hot seat and said, it's been a strange week. We had to dig deep. We knew creating chances wasn't an issue. It could have been four or five. The boys have been amazing. We are all professionals. Our focus was on today. What happened early in the week was a shock, but we had to deliver. And that was the story of the game as Jules beat MK Dons by two goals to one. Um, yeah, Jules win 2-1. Uh, the story of the game we've gone through. Uh, so if you're joining the slate and you want to hear the story of the game, you can listen back to it, um, obviously on Spaces when we finish. And then Simon, of course, will uh, upload this uh, to Spotify. He's been on the show and he's going to upload the show. It's a bit like that meme of Barack Obama giving a medal to himself. <laughs> 